podcast world. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are on the line with Selwyn Cambridge, founder and creative director of 10 Habitat, the entrepreneurship hub in Barbados that produces the signature Caribbean Startup Summit. A Guyanese national, Selwyn moved to Barbados in his early 20s to study design and one day start his own studio. He ended up working in the advertising industry for a few years until he eventually started his own company called Ethnic Vision to help businesses with their marketing and branding. Going through the process of forming his own company, Selwyn experienced firsthand the costs and challenges of incorporating a company in Barbados, as well as the various operational challenges that follow. Whatever mistake you think you can make in business, I made in those years. Oh, yeah? From thinking about how to manage your finances, how to fund your business, when to make important purchases, when to incorporate your business versus registering your business, because that's a huge difference, right? When you're now getting started, there's a huge difference between simply registering your business in Barbados, which is about $100, versus incorporating your business into a limited liability company or incorporated company that protects you, and that's about $3,000. So there's this huge difference. Wait, that's, so you're talking $3,000, yeah. $1,500, 1500 US. Yeah, versus $50 US, right? <laughs> Jesus! And, and so, you know, the first advice I got from a lawyer is, you need to incorporate your company. And so that immediately created a huge financial burden for me at the very, very early stages of my business. Wait, one second. What? That 3000 vision, that include the lawyer's fees or is that that's the fees that you pay to the... No, no, that includes the lawyer's fees. Because the, the thing is, the oh. thing is that um, <laughs> most of your incorporation can be done without a lawyer, right? So right. there are ways to go about it without incurring huge lawyer fees, legal fees, but you still need a lawyer to certify the documents that you've created. Really? Because, I mean, I'll tell you, I incorporated Become Investable using a concierge and it cost me fraction of what you pay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's ways to go, I believe. And, and that's why there's the, the ease of doing business. And Barbados doesn't score the highest in that area. And there is work actively being done to make it a lot easier for persons to start businesses, to get them registered and comply with statutory requirements and be able to move through the process a lot quicker and a lot cheaper than it is right now. It's a map this out for me. So you mentioned that you, I mean, after you had a very little business plan, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said you, you made a lot of mistakes in your business. I think it's important to go through that. So as you know, it kind of informs you when you go on to advise people on how to make their business investor ready and how to to make it scalable. So the thing about starting a business and especially a business that you intend to grow and to scale outside of yourself is to be able to, one, understand that a business is only as good as its team. Right? How strong is that team? How diverse is that team? And what value does each member of that team bring to the table? So one of the first mistakes I made, I started a business with a number of my friends. 
we all went to school together and we were all in the, in the same industry. We literally did the same thing. And so we decided, let's come together and start a business. But no one brought the diverse talent that was required to create a really diverse team to focus on other areas of strengths, right? So that's the first thing. And then when the business sort of entered into real difficult times, they all jumped ship and they left me and they left me holding a huge bag of debt. Your friends? We're still friends today, but yeah, we're still friends. I don't hold a grudge. I don't hold a grudge. I mean, the, the, the truth is we're no longer business partners, you know, but we're still friends. And for me, I treasure those experiences because it's made me a better entrepreneur and it's made me able to better advise other entrepreneurs to avoid the missteps, right? So that's one of the first ones that made it. The second thing was attempting to go too far too fast. And so we took on a lot of debt as a result of that. And over leveraged ourselves and was not able to manage the debt that we were incurring with requisite cash flow. That then created some huge issues. Yeah, that's an important one because a lot of people have a big affinity for taking on debt, you know, because debt, I mean, yes, it's cheaper than getting somebody to invest directly in the company's equity or so, right? In terms of the return that a shareholder would want as opposed to the bank would take or, or the bondholder would take, right? But that kind of leads you to say, hey, mm-hmm. let's just mm-hmm. take other people's money. Mm-hmm. Pump that any business and just spend it on these expensive capital assets that may not necessarily generate cash flow for us within a period to repay the debt. I uh, absolutely agree with you. I mean, that's something that even today I advise entrepreneurs on is your very, very last resort is using your own money to start your business. I mean, using debt to start your business. Oh. Because starting a business is hard as it is already, right? And you don't want to make it doubly hard by taking on debt. Because once you do that, you compound the issue and it's a lot difficult for you to move through the process. So for me, it was a hard lesson to learn, but it was a lesson that I learned and now I understand it very intimately what can go wrong in a business when you take on debt and when you take it on too early. Really, any sort of debt that you're taking on needs to have a direct correlation to revenue so that you understand that if you're taking this on, you know how you're going to pay for it and how it's going to generate an increase in revenue for you. Otherwise, you know, it's just bad debt. I get you, I get you. So what were some of the other issues that led to the Some of the other lessons that you learned. One of the things is the fact that when you start a business, it will never end up the way you started it. There's always going to be change in the business and you've got to be prepared for that change and never get married to an idea that you're not prepared to step away from and recognize the need to change. So when we started the business, The business was one thing, which was a supplier to advertising agencies. Let me give you a backstory there. So when we started a business, we wanted to, in the industry at that time, that's 20 plus years ago, 
essentially what existed in our agency is if you needed to run an advertising campaign, you needed to be able to have fees for a photographer, talent fees, location fees, editing, and a whole production suite. And that to just produce one simple print ad could run you into several thousands of dollars. But then the existence of stock photography came around in that time. And that reduced the cost from thousands to hundreds. But the issue is that most stock photography companies at that time only had images of North Americans, so Caucasian type persons. So there was no one catering to the Caribbean in terms of stock photography. And we wanted to be that. So that's how we started. We started looking at launching a Caribbean stock photography company and talent source agency that supplied ad agencies with the talent and stock images that they were able to get access to, thereby slashing their production costs on advertising material. It worked for a while, but then we started to compete with the larger players coming into the market and stock photography moved from $150, $250 an image to $2 an image. There was no way we can compete with that type of price point looking at the volume of business that we could attract locally. So we had to change. The issue was what did we change to? And now, today, the business, I still run the business, is completely revamped. It's more of a branding and marketing consultancy that focuses on leveraging the nuances of culture to drive increased responses for companies and brands, right? Because what we did was that we understood what role culture played using a culturally relevant stock photography company to create culturally relevant images for for brands. And then we just spin that and leveraged it and used the learnings from that to create a very specific agency that now serves international companies. However, it was difficult to get to that process because what ended up happening is that it cost us a lot more because we held on to an old vision too long. And we didn't let go of that notion of what our business should be and recognize that it was time for change. It's good that you're able to transform your business into what works now. And I understand that you guys are actually responsible for developing well, designing the Guyanese five dollar coin, which is currently in circulation, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. That's a number of years ago. Uh, we got approached to design the five dollar coin, and I happily took that on, being a native son of Guyana, and readily embraced that. So I can say that I have my own money. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> And that it's worth much. I mean, no, as far as long as that $5 coin circulates, yeah. I mean, you could say that I designed that, you know, you said a grandchildren, you see that coin that you flip in there? Yeah. That's me. Yeah. 
So let's talk about 10 Habitat. How did 10 Habitat come about? Well, 10 Habitat was the result of my own experiences starting and growing my business and recognizing the challenges that I encountered as an entrepreneur. And if there was anything I can do to help others avoid those missteps and avoid those challenges, that I'll do it. And so when I started my business, one of the things we did was we worked with a lot of entrepreneurs to help them through the process of building their businesses, avoiding the mistakes that we made and helping them to grow better businesses using our experience in marketing and brand development. One of the things that we noticed was that there was a commonality that existed across all entrepreneurs that we encountered. And that was that most entrepreneurs are very good at what they do. So if they make furniture, they're really good at making furniture. If they provide hairdressing services, they're really good at that. But they're not that good at marketing and sales. They struggle with that. So we decided to start 10 Habitat to help entrepreneurs develop more effective sales and marketing strategies using our expertise and sort of a plug and play system that, okay, you focus on what you're good at, we'll help you with your sales and marketing and you don't have to worry about it. And that was the basis on which 10, at that time it was just 10, started. So it was a network, a sales and marketing network for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. That's how it started to really help entrepreneurs avoid those mistakes and really move their businesses forward. But we quickly realized after running that for a couple of years that we needed to do a lot more because if we developed, and this was the fear, if we develop really effective sales and marketing strategies for entrepreneurs, we'll kill their businesses faster than they would on their own. Simply because if we start to increase demand for a product and the business is not structured well enough to take on that demand and manage it and deliver on the product or service, then they die by poor reputation, they die by poor service, they die by poor money management, they die by a thousand cuts and they die quickly, right? The issue there was, Businesses suffer from a lot more structural issues than just sales and marketing. And so we needed a more comprehensive approach to help businesses. And that's when we stopped 10, totally looked at it and revamped the entire system to create more of a 360 degree type of support for entrepreneurs. Hence 10 Habitat, because we wanted to create a Habitat that mimicked a natural habitat found in nature that nurtures its young and creates an environment for growth for entrepreneurs. And that's why we've gotten to where we are now. So I understand 10 is a nonprofit. I hear you saying that, you know, you're giving these guys all this advice. You're spending all this time giving these guys advice. But how do you, how do you monetize that? How is 10 monetized? 
So uh, TEN is actually set up as a nonprofit organization, but we are also a membership-based organization. So entrepreneurs pay a membership fee to access the support and the services that we deliver to them. But that membership fee is heavily discounted simply because of our support from organizations like the IDB Lab, which is the Inter-American Development Bank, and their program, the IDB Lab as well as the EU, the European Union, and corporate partnerships like CIBC First Caribbean that work with us to also help fund a lot of the work that we deliver to entrepreneurs. And we also run a 4,000 square foot co-working space and innovation hub. That is part of what also helps to fund our operations because we rent out space to slightly more advanced businesses to be able to create a community where entrepreneurs can come into and be surrounded with like-minded individuals, learn from each other and create what we call learning by osmosis. You know, you put you in this, in a space with other people that are at a different level and you will pick up some things. I love that. You have a quote that I really like where you say you want to be able to start your evolution of creating entrepreneurs that are not building lifestyle businesses, but developing mm-hmm. world-class solutions to national and global challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things in terms of our revamp of 10 into 10 Habitat, we asked ourselves a simple question, right? We said, what if Mark Zuckerberg had started Facebook in the Caribbean? Would it be as big as it is right now? Love that question. And if that answer was no, and it was a resounded no, then the next response needs to be, why? Why is that? And it's not because he's smarter than anyone else in the Caribbean. It's not because he went to an Ivy League school, though he dropped out. But it's simple. It's two real key things. It's mindset and access, right? And so we attempted to create an environment that one nurtured and fostered a mindset that was fixated on developing growth-oriented companies and then creating access to global networks that allowed entrepreneurs to access the support and the type of resources to help them scale those companies. So when you come into 10 and you engage with us, you immediately see that we're different because what we're looking at is every idea starts small. You start small, but think big. And for us, that's what it's all about. We want you to be thinking big, but yeah, understand that you need to start small. Mindset and access. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know you could coach for mindset, but how did you provide the access? By actively seeking out partnerships with every major startup ecosystem in the world. And what we've done, so we're connected to Africa, to Israel, to Canada, to UK, to the US, Silicon Valley, to all of the major startup ecosystems. So it was really an effort about building deep relationships with individuals and organizations and entities that could facilitate us bringing the world to the Caribbean entrepreneurs and having them stay right where they are and build globally competitive businesses. So combine global best practices with local ingenuity and we'll be able to transform a sector. You know, 
especially in the crew, man. You have a cool tier that like, 100% agree with. You have a lot of calls that I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the Caribbean. I see you have a call here yeah. that entrepreneurship is the answer to economic growth. And this, I mean, this cuts straight to my heart because in the Caribbean, we're all a, a bunch of islands that are dependent on commodities and tourism as our mainstay for economic growth. Now, these mm-hmm. are two things that we do not necessarily have direct control over. Mm-hmm. So if the oil market is down, well, mm-hmm. hard luck Trinidad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If the banana market is down, hard luck um, Jamaica mm-hmm. or whoever. I, mean, I have, to do my, have to do more research on which, which islands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the OECS is known for bananas and export. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So the, the true answer to economic diversification, the true answer to more job creation is really fostered on environment of entrepreneurship. Yes, it's entrepreneurship and innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the current economic climate that the entire Caribbean is experiencing and going through now, we will only come out of this on the backs of entrepreneurs. We ain't doing this without entrepreneurs. So if you think that what I call sunset industries are going to take you out, that's not going to be it. It's sunrise industries. Those, those new industries that are technology-driven, that are innovation-driven, are the ones that are going to do it. What we have to do as a region is start to equip our people with the skills to become innovators and stop becoming consumers. And, you know, I can talk on this topic forever because I'm really passionate about it. I have a fundamental issue with the education system that exists in the region that is designed to produce employees as opposed to problem solvers. We need to be able to start developing students that are far more adept at embracing curiosity and failure. A system that does not tolerate failure does not support growth because the only way you're going to grow is if you fail. You learn through failing. The more you fail, the more you learn and the more you have lessons to apply to the next step that you take. So we have to start to inculcate and nurture a nature of being comfortable with failing and failing fast so that we don't romanticize things and get stuck in the fact that it didn't work, but be perpetually curious to understand why it didn't work. What could you have done better? What did you learn from why it didn't work and move on and move forward? We will start to drive innovation in industries like never before if we just start to embrace that simple concept. Yeah, really and truly, when you look at failure, failure is really short-term epidemic. If you're thinking long-term, if you're thinking about your long-term vision, your long-term goal, and let's say you know, you're feeling this instance, you know that, hey, well, I'm focused on, on this long-term thing. This feeling thing is just a hiccup. It's just part of the course. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's also one of the things that we really advocate for at Ten Habitat, and that is the fact that 
And here's another quote that we use. Uh, we tend to use a lot of quotes. And, oh, and this one is, <laughs> maybe you might see this one somewhere around. It, it, we say that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, but a community to build a business. Okay. I knew the first part. Never heard the, never heard the second part. <laughs> right. Because we added that part to it. Because the thing is, the way you build successful businesses it's by surrounding yourself with individuals and a support network that nurtures you through the rough times, that supports you through the doubt, supports you through the blockades and gets you over the next hurdle. We tend to take entrepreneurship as a very individualistic pursuit, and it doesn't have to be. The more you are able to build a community of support around entrepreneurs, the stronger you make your entrepreneurs and the better able they are to face the rough challenges that are ahead. Because one thing is absolutely certain about when you get into business, you will fail. The issue is whether or not you succumb to the fail. Yeah. I want to be careful about saying, hey, or community, because community is great, right? But what we don't want is a community of cheerleaders. What I think you really want is like a a challenge network. So you want people to give you that raw and honest feedback. Hey, what do you think of this product I just developed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Kevin, that looking real good. That real good. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. That real good. <laughs> back in my like, hey, Fred, you see that crap, Kevin? I can't tell him. I can't tell him. You know? So you need those people who say, hey, well, this is what's wrong. And he suggested changes. Agreed. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that we definitely support within 10 is honest feedback. Honest and realistic feedback. We're not here to pat you on the head. We're not here to be (laughs) your cheerleaders and pom-poms. What we're here to do is to help you build a viable business that is scalable and is investable. (laughs) If we are to do that, then we need to be real with the entrepreneurs and get them to understand that building a business requires hard work. And it requires a level of realization that Not because you think this is right means that it's right for the market. The market determines your success. So for a few years now, you guys have been running the Caribbean Startup Summit. And I know you have your next iteration in a month from now. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the summit and then tell us about the deal room. Those three words just stuck out to me when I was reading the article. I was like, oh, the deal room. Okay, all right. (laughs) Yeah, well, the Startup Summit is really our attempt to continue to expose Caribbean entrepreneurs to the best and get their heads in the right space where they start to think global, act local, but think global, you know, and start to work on ventures that are, again, scalable and attractive to investors. The driving force behind that is what we say we inspiring and empowering dreamers, right? So you're a big dreamer, then then come to the Startup Summit and see what happens. It's our attempt at identifying some of the best players in the market, 
some of the largest company entrepreneurial companies that have been doing some really interesting things and bring them together for two days in Barbados, expose them to a lot of Caribbean entrepreneurs for two days of idea sharing, knowledge exchange, and building meaningful relationships that can contribute. So for the three years, we've had an element of the summit that's called the pitch pit. And the pitch pit is essentially where persons apply, they're shortlisted, and then they get a chance to pitch to prospective investors. But really, it's a judging panel of global industry experts and entrepreneurs themselves to give you valuable feedback on your idea, your business, how you structure it, what's wrong about it, what you can do right, and then opportunity to win prizes. So they're able to win or about 10,000 US in prices. Oh, so they don't actually get any money they ask into for the investment. Correct. So okay. the concept behind that was really to garner valuable feedback from experts that you right. can't necessarily afford to have access to as a startup. But we thought for this year, being the fourth year, we'll go one step further. And so we created the deal room and the deal room is for more advanced stage businesses that are now ready to scale and ready to take on investment. And so we've combined a, a range of investors who are actively looking for deals, who are looking for companies to invest. And we will shortlist companies to be able to pitch directly to those prospective investors about why they should be their next investment. I see that you guys are very careful to say, hey, this is not a conference. This is a summit. Mm-hmm. So, so make, make that differentiation. Draw the line in between the sun first. So this is essentially, in simple terms, this is not a talk shop. It's never been a talk shop, right? It's never been one of those feel-good type of kumbaya experiences. <laughs> this is real, practical, applied work that you come, you sit down, and you actually garner strategies and insights that you can immediately implement in your business the moment you walk through the door. Right? That's the purpose of the summit. Amen. To give valuable, actionable advice. All praise to you for that, man. I love how you, you say, hey, well, this is not about the fluff. This is not, hey, yeah, come, yeah, on, yeah, come yeah. on, feel good, come on, feel good, take a picture and go home. I like how you say, hey, you're getting real tools here. You're going to learn something. I promise you, you're going to yeah. learn something and you're going to remember what you learned. That's right. It's also why we, we, for this year, we brought some of the big names to the summit. So we've partnered with Facebook, with Instagram, with Amazon, with Netflix, right, to bring a lot of their best practices to entrepreneurs, one, to understand how to master social media, how to develop products that are customer-centric, right, how to create scalable platforms, how to leverage technology to grow your business. We are also specifically focusing our attention on fashion as well by bringing in a global expert on fashion to run a fashion masterclass for all fashion entrepreneurs to understand the A, B, C, right down to Z about building a successful fashion brand and scaling it. 
So it's an amazing opportunity, I believe, for entrepreneurs who are in that industry. And for the very first time, I'm really excited about this element because this is a pet project of mine, which is entrepreneurship and focusing on utilizing entrepreneurial thinking and startup methodologies within large corporations to drive innovation from within. And so for the very first time, we are targeting the corporate sector, those large companies that tend to think they've got it all figured out, but still trying to determine how do we drive innovation? How do we create a culture of innovation within our organization? There's a special segment within the summit that focuses on entrepreneurship, and we're bringing in global industry experts on entrepreneurship. We bring in a team from Amazon that started a startup within Amazon using an entrepreneurship strategies to do it. So learning from those who've actually done it and getting their best practices and strategies and how to do it yourself within your own organizations. Again, no fluff. <laughs> no fluff. Well, you guys got some heavy weights on that roster, man. How are you able to do that? For us, it's a testament to our continued quest to establish meaningful partnerships that read down to the benefit of regional entrepreneurs, right? So a lot of these players were happy to be part of what we were doing and wanted to give back and see the region birth successful, scalable ventures that can benefit from their technology and become clients, become customers, but also become success stories. So I will tell you, man, over the past year and change that I've been doing this podcast, I always enjoy having great enlightening conversations like this one. And I always learn something from the people I interview. Mm -hmm. So in you running this summit, mm -hmm. what have you learned from the people who've contributed to the summit over the years? It's something that I preach all the time. Your mindset determines your assets. If you have the right mindset, there's nothing that will stop you. Nothing. And so every single engagement that I've had with a successful entrepreneur, that holds true. They've cultivated a winning mindset that takes them through the process of building and growing successful businesses. Yes, all the strategies will come, all of the technical aspects of building and growing a business will come, but the fundamental is mindset. You get that right, you're halfway there. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So as you're getting ready to wind down and wrap up, I see on your social media, you have a, I guess it's a mantra, a mantra. It says mindset skill set, reset. Now, I get mindset. Mm -hmm. I understand skill set. You need a skill set, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Reset? What's that about? We need to change the shit we're doing, man. <laughs> That's what the reset is. <laughs> we need to change what we're doing. It's no longer functioning on the old status quo. So the reset is really about resetting industries, resetting structures, resetting the paradigm for us to change the way we do business and change the way we build businesses. When I look at a North American or a European entrepreneur, 
that moves from idea to venture, to market, to revenue, and they do it in six to eight months. And I compare that to their compatriot in the region, and it takes them six to eight years, there's a fundamental problem. We need to change the way we're building businesses. We need to also understand that there's a distinction between entrepreneurship and self-employment. We cannot continue to simply interchange the terms because there's a distinct difference. I ain't no small business owner. I'm not no self-employed individual. I'm an entrepreneur looking to solve global problems, starting regionally first, but I am going after solving problems first. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at where are the problems? What are the opportunities and the solutions that are out there that I can develop to solve those problems and build a business around it? That's entrepreneurship. That's utilizing your skill of innovation and your perpetual nature for curiosity to go after figuring things out, right? A self-employed individual is simply, and kudos to them, the world needs them, but don't mistake them for entrepreneurs necessary. They're simply trying to create what I call subsistence type businesses. It creates a, a livelihood for themselves and their families and they are able to pay their way and they're comfortable and they're able to live comfortably. That's fine. If that's what they're interested, that's fine. I want to create more entrepreneurs. I want to develop more problem solvers. I want us to be able to solve the systemic issues in the region that have not yet been solved. Entrepreneurs are going to do that. Innovators are going to be needed to do that. Yeah, and I'll just add to that a little bit. So another key difference between entrepreneurs and self-employed people to me is that self-employed people, they sell their time, right? Entrepreneurs, they strive to build businesses that make money for them while they sleep. Mm-hmm. So they build these businesses that they're able to pass on. Yes. The definition of investable, really and truly, their companies are positioned for sustainable wealth creation. Yeah, totally agree. They can pass on to the, the next generation. Totally agree. So Selwyn, where can we find you? Where can we find Ted Habitat? Where can we find the Caribbean Startup Summit? So the Caribbean Startup Summit is just that, CaribbeanStartupSummit.com. We're also on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on IG at the Caribbean Startup Summit. 10 Habitat is 10, T-E-N, Habitat.com. That's our website and the same handle on Facebook and IG and Twitter as well. All right, Selwyn. So right now, I'm going to give you open mic, open forum, open platform. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to say that I may not have asked you this evening? Mm -hmm that you want to make sure you get out to the listeners out there? I believe that we need to start to cultivate more a culture of collaboration as opposed to a culture of competition amongst ourselves. Amen. Our market is only so small, right? Only so large. We cannot continue to be competing with each other and saying, oh, no, I want this and I want that. The world is our oyster. Let's start to look at ways to work together to go after bigger markets, go after global markets. And that will necessitate a change in one, the way we see business, 
the way we view each other and this niggling thing that we've not quite figured out, the lack of trust. We need to be able to figure out ways to trust persons that we can then find better and meaningful opportunities to collaborate. And then we start to build structures that are globally competitive. One individual in the region trying to build a globally competitive business can't do it by themselves. They can't do it by themselves. They need to build a team. They need to build a structure that is one, sustainable, and two, is scalable. We talk about investable ventures. Investors invest in teams. They don't invest in an individual. They invest in teams. So if you're trying to build a globally competitive business that's investable, you better start thinking about collaborating. Podcast World, there you have it. Mindset, skill set, then reset with Selwyn Cambridge. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, Podcast World, Guyana, Barbados, we are out. We are out.